Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Health Media Now with award-winning author and host Denise Messenger for a lifetime of health empowerment. Live by being in the pink, meaning P stands for being persistent, I stands for using your intuition, N stands for networking, and K stands for obtaining knowledge. Preserve and protect your health by listening live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Standard Time and 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Our guests entertain and share cutting-edge information. They share with you what may have taken years to achieve through experience in their field. Become inspired and motivated. Reach your full potential with fascinating tips and products. Receive a lifetime of benefits from authors, doctors, practitioners, healthcare providers, and learn about exciting new products. You asked for it, and we deliver. Now, here's your host, Denise Messenger. Hello, listeners. Today is October 30th, 2013. Our show today is going to be on breath awareness, which is one of the most effective, focused training and mind-calming exercises available today. I doubt that too many people are aware of the benefits, and we are going to cover it all today. Apparently, this technique, it's fundamental to practically every single stress reduction therapy and meditation method out there. Adults and children particularly can practice this regularly, and they actually can develop stronger attention skills and at the same time awaken their self-knowledge. It can enhance brain functions. And as a result, you can feel a lot more peaceful and happy. So I'd like to introduce to you today our very special guest, Heidi Thompson, who lives in Cold Spring, British Columbia. She's been practicing breath awareness for more than 30 years. Hello, Heidi, and welcome to the show. Hi, Denise. Thanks for having me with you today. Love it. So I always like to start my shows out with asking my guests what got them on the path that they're on today. Well, it goes back to when I was a child, and my mother was very interested in Eastern philosophy. She did meditation, yoga. She even had a guru in India, and this was in the 50s and 60s. And so I was surrounded by that right when I was young. And at the same time, I also had a father who was completely against all of that. And he was the son of a missionary, so he had a whole different take on things. So I grew up in this environment, and I didn't quite know which way to go. So when I left home, (laughs) when I was 17, I pretty well was on my own and trying to decide which direction to go. And I think life basically forces you in directions. I was by myself in Europe for nine years as a young girl, and I had lots of ups and downs, a lot of you know, self-seeking, trying to figure things out, a lot of pain. My parents were 
splitting up at that time. And and I was looking for something that would make me feel better. And I came across meditation techniques. And immediately, of course, I was familiar with meditation in general, I started realizing this is amazing. You can do these techniques and really after an hour, you feel like you've changed and you're not so stressed. So it was out of desperation I came across meditation and for years I was practicing different techniques and then I came back to Canada and when I was about 27, I came across this one particular technique called breath awareness but other people also understand it as the Pali name is Anapana, which basically means to breathe in and breathe out with awareness. Oh. And that was 30 years ago. And when I first started this technique, it was so amazing. It was everything I was looking for. It was so simple. started changing my life right there. And from then on, I practiced it daily. I went to lots of courses that were very intense. And then in the 90s, I decided this would be a great technique to help the children because that was when ADD became the rage and everybody was pulling their hair out like, oh, my kid has ADD, when in fact everybody has ADD. <laughs> they just made a big thing mm-hmm. of it. And I thought, oh, if we could bring this into the schools, then they wouldn't need all those strong, potent, dangerous drugs. So that that became my mission in the 90s. And it was really wonderful to see. I, I, I taught this to kids in kindergarten and right up to grade 12 and all sorts of different children with different abilities and disabilities. And every single time I saw amazing results. And eventually, later in the, a couple of years ago, I decided I would write this book so that anybody who's interested could learn this technique this breath awareness technique, because it's so simple, and then learn how to teach it to children. And that's been my, well, that's been over the last 30 years. So, so here we are talking on the phone, and it's wonderful to uh, be here and share this amazing thing with others. That's quite a journey. For our listeners, her book is called Calm, Focus, Joy. The Power of Breath Awareness. It's a practical guide, and it's written for adults and for adults to work with children. Heidi, um, just so our listeners know, where, where can they purchase your book? The book can be purchased on Amazon. I have a 99-cent version on Kindle. They could email me, and I'll send it out for free, um, well, the free shipping. So it's Pretty well everywhere. You could even order it through stores. Okay, great. So I'm kind of curious as a parent, what type of changes um, did you see in children that you taught how to practice this technique? Well, that's wonderful because they were very obvious, which is nice because we only worked for... 10 days at a time with some classes. So it was only in two weeks that we actually started seeing these changes. That shows how effective the exercise is. One of the first things I noticed is that the children could focus longer. We worked from five minutes up to 10 minutes, half an hour, up to 45 minutes. 
And we were working with children with severe attention deficit. We were working with children with fetal alcohol syndrome. We were working even with high potential learners. And all these different types of people showed a definite increase in their ability to pay attention to one thing for a longer period of time. That was the first Mm. thing. The second thing we noticed, well, we always did journal work and artwork after a session. Mm -hmm. Gradually, over the 10 days, we saw an improvement in their handwriting. Their artwork changed. It was more harmonious. They took longer to do it. There wasn't so it wasn't kind of hectic. Their creativity, I, I always let them go at their journals and their artwork without saying a thing. I just have the materials out. And after a mm-hmm. session of breath awareness, they're very uh, connected to their creativity. And everyone just went to their stations and worked without even asking me what to do. So this, this was wonderful to see this self-initiative. Mm-hmm. And another thing, and this is what the teachers who were participating in the classes said the children gain knowledge on how to speak about their mind, speak about their emotions, speak about how they can calm their emotions. So they, they gathered this vocabulary, which a lot of children never get to uh, practice, on how to mm-hmm. observe sensations and emotions and how to talk about the brain which was really quite wonderful. If you read their excerpts, I put some in the book, they sound sometimes like little psychologists without even knowing it. So they, they <laughs> tune into what what's happening inside their brain and their body, and then they, they can express it. So, so I guess self-knowledge would be what they gained. Very gradually but very quickly, they got to know who they were. And that, that was very profound. And this was, yeah, you um, have um, you have a, a a child, Michelle. She was ten years old, and she said that practicing breath awareness lets me focus on myself for a while instead of observing the things around me like I normally do. Right, and that's unedited. That's her words. Mm-hmm. So profound. <laughs> it is um, for ten-year-olds. Yeah, I, I I have just I I collected a lot of their writings and. I can't believe how in tune they are with what's true. They have a very... Uh, another thing we noticed was they became more empathetic and compassionate and more, yeah. a little more peaceful. So a lot of their writings, they would talk about... You know, I would ask them a question like, what would you do if you could change the world? And they would mm-hmm. say things. One boy said, he was like, I think 10. I would... I would get rid of all the alcohol and drugs. Another girl said, I would make old people happy. So a lot of this natural compassion that young children actually still have came out and had sort of a vehicle, and they could express it feeling safe, that these emotions were actually legitimate, and it was really quite beautiful how they start feeling more loving. And that happened also Mm -hmm. with a couple of weeks. Uh, we tend to get you know, defensive. I think kids, you know, they're uh-huh. they're trying to uh, keep the guard up and not talk about their feelings, and and they were allowed to talk about them. I had just recently heard that a study was conducted in the United States, and it's been determined that we have the most violent generation 
of children, teenagers, than ever before. Mm-hmm. So, I can, listening to yeah. you, um, this breath awareness could be a valuable tool to try to turn that around a little bit. Yes, I really believe that we've gone a little too far and we really have mm-hmm. to back up and start giving children time every day to center themselves and develop peace in their minds. And as soon as they experience peace, they start acting in peaceful ways. But we don't give them any time to experience this, so they never know what peace is. But I think education is exactly that, is helping children experience and develop peace, intelligence, self-control, and all those things that make the world a better place. I think we have that responsibility as teachers and parents to facilitate Mm -hmm. that in our children. I think that's more important than a lot of subjects they're teaching right now. True. How is breath awareness different from yoga breathing techniques? Well, that's a very good question because sometimes a lot of well, a lot of people have practiced different pranayama techniques, breathing techniques, belly breathing, breathing in white light, visualizing. All of these things are very good techniques, but breath awareness mm-hmm. sets itself apart for one reason, one way. When you do this technique, which is simply sitting still and focusing on your natural breathing, so you're not changing your breath, you're not breathing more deeply, or you're not counting breaths. You focus on natural breathing, however your breath is in the moment. This is the first big difference. Hmm. And then stay with the sensation of how the breath is touching the skin. That's the other difference. You're completely focused on the sensation of breath. So those two things set it apart from a lot of these other techniques. One is you just observe yourself, whatever is happening in the moment, Mm -hmm. very calm. And the second is stay with the sensation. You're not thinking about breath. You're not counting the breath. You're not visualizing. You're not belly breathing. Mm -hmm. You're doing nothing, absolutely nothing. And this training of looking at yourself, observing yourself, And not reacting, that's the key. That's the essential secret of this technique. You're training yourself to basically experience whatever's going on in your body and not react. And this skill is very helpful later in life. It it will, you know, it's the most important skill humans can develop. It's not reacting to sensation. Sort of blind. I know with certain meditation... Uh, techniques you generally try to focus on one thing yeah and you keep bringing your mind back to that one thing as your you know your chatter um revs up Mm -hmm. so with breath awareness you're also focusing on your breathing one thing yeah and if you if your mind starts to chatter you you take it right back to the breathing? Exactly. And and the difference between this type of meditation and other types of meditation is, as you said, it's the object of focus. 
for example, if a meditation asks you to focus on counting, mm-hmm. you will probably develop concentration much more quickly than doing breath awareness. Or if the meditation asks you to visualize an image, you will concentrate much more quickly. But the the goal of breath awareness, to concentrate quickly, it's to develop the ability to stay with sensations and go deeper, right? The sensation leads you to your subconscious mind. As long as you're sort of focused on images or counting or sounds or music, your mind stays sort of on a surface level and you feel Mm -hmm. peaceful. But all that other stuff that you've been harboring for years doesn't have a chance to come out. You're basically keeping the surface calm while the storms continue. Whereas breath awareness lets you get in touch with the very subconscious part of the mind which is connected to sensations. And if you can get that deep, you can start changing yourself at a very deep level. And that is a huge difference with this particular technique. That's very interesting. Uh, uh, how does it reduce stress? Well, it's first of all, <laughs> and this is great because it's been uh, now they've had studies showing that it certainly does reduce stress. One of the things that happens is when we think about something or we see something that we're afraid of or that worries us, we immediately mm-hmm. uh, cause our body to to have the stress response or the flight or fight response. We get a, a rush right. of cortisol, our blood goes to our limbs instead of our digestive system, our cognitive mind shuts down, and and so basically we're ready to fight. If you are focusing on your breath, especially the sensation of breath, and, and you're not thinking about all those things that cause you to stress out, What happens, you almost trick your brain. You're creating a very peaceful environment, and your brain responds by lowering your cortisol, uh, bringing your blood back into your cognitive brain, your blood pressure goes down, because the brain has no reason to get upset. So by Mm -hmm. staying focused on your breathing, you're, you're basically tricking your brain and saying, hey, man, you can go on vacation, I don't need you right now. Everything's okay at home. So so for the first 10 minutes of doing breath awareness, you kind of have to force yourself to stay with your breath. And immediately you'll start feeling your stress response disappear. And it's really beautiful. We spend about 20 minutes. Your stress is gone because there's no reason for your brain to be reacting anymore. And that's all. As soon as you start thinking again, you're going to get that stress going. Oh, I've got to worry. I've got to go here. This is going to happen. And, and bingo, cortisol goes up. Heart rate starts beating fast. You know, and you can't think. <laughs> so it's mm-hmm. creating mm-hmm. that peaceful environment. And then your brain doesn't have to create stress. Because stress is actually a good thing, right? It, it's supposed to help us survive. But sometimes we just, you know, it's not like it used to be thousands of years ago when we had animals to run away from. It's Things have changed now. Taking you back a little bit to when you work with children, how do you get them to actually settle down? Okay. And basically... it's, a, 
and basically like you know, listen to your impossible, breath. Right? <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's actually it's very easy. And here are the steps that it takes. Okay. First, it's great to work with kids in a group in school. Most kids go to school thinking they're going to learn something, so they're prepared. The second step is they have to sign up for the course. Like, let's say you're a teacher. They have to come out of their own free will. And how do you get 34 grade 4 students to sign up to do this kind of technique? Well, you just give them a little introduction and say, well, for the next 10 days, an hour a day, you will have to sit, focus on your breath, do a little bit of artwork, and nothing else. You'd be surprised how many kids are just dying to do something like that. It's it's their <laughs> their instincts. They say, hey, math, yes, no more math. So right away, you have a very willing group. So now That's they apply to come. You tell them it's going to be very difficult, but they all want to do it. Then they get to sit on the floor <laughs> on cushions. You know, it's getting better all the time. And then after they start developing, you know, they, they sit for five minutes. Oh, man, that was so hard. Wow, man, when can we do it again? It's amazing. They, they love it, some of those things in the book. Like, oh, oh, my back, back was hurting, and it felt like 10,000 bugs biting my head. Hey, I love this. You know, it's it's crazy, but children are really intelligent, and when you give them something that they know is good for them and that they they start feeling calm and they start getting self-control, they they just want to do more and more. They're not, you know, it's so crazy. Kids are really wanting to develop their minds and their bodies. We just don't give them the opportunity. You know, we think mm-hmm. we are, but, but not really. It's, you know, let's cram in all sorts of stuff they don't need, you know, and and they shut down because they don't need it. Mm-hmm. So give them something they can use and make them feel happy and good, they're going to want to do it, and they do. It's it's beautiful to see. Uh, uh, sometimes the teacher has trouble doing it because she's thinking about too much stuff, but the kids, I've always <laughs> had good experience with the kids. When they're experiencing, I mean, it, it could literally be like a life-changing experience for them mm-hmm. because they're quieting their minds. Mm-hmm. Are they at a loss for words sometimes on what's happening to them? Well, this is where, you know, I've explained it really carefully in the book. They will do the experience part, you know, for the five or ten minutes. They do their practice. And then afterwards, they're encouraged to hear a story. And I've got some stories in the book that I kind of came up with. So you, mm-hmm. you basically help them understand their experience. You don't take the experience away, but you put it in words. And then then they get to put it in their own words. So it's reinforced. But the key is for them to have the experience, feel calmer, feel more powerful, feel more, you know, less fidgety, and then help them with some words on how to express what was going on, explain why they're calming down, why they don't feel stressed. And so you do the intellectual stuff afterwards. So it's a, it's a nice balance between experience and then explanations after. Interesting. Have, have their parents ever come to you and with a big thank you? 
Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I get I get parents. I, I do little groups with parents included with the children. Uh, when we do the courses in the school, we make sure that a letter goes home to the parents that they understand what their children will be doing. Then I usually do a parent night where they can come and ask questions. And then they sign an okay, yes, I want my child to focus more. And then we go proceed. So it's a, it's a fairly complicated process. Most parents want their children to develop focus. Some parents are a little worried because they've heard about, you know, um, indoctrinating children with other beliefs. So we have to be very, very careful to present it as a scientific uh, exercise that develops the attention. And so that everybody mm-hmm. understands there's no religious talk, there's no talking about beliefs, there's no imagining, uh, you know, God or anything like that. We, that's nothing included into the technique. If people start feeling religious when they do the technique, that's their own experience. And you do mm-hmm. feel peaceful. So. Mm-hmm. I think this is um, uh, another subject that a lot of people suffer from one way or another, and that's addictions. Mm -hmm. You know, we can have addictions to sugar or alcohol or overeating or, I mean, the list can go on and on. How does breath awareness help curb those? It's very, uh, well, breath awareness helps you overcome addictions, and addictions are usually the root cause of all our mental and physical ill health. So this is how breath awareness helps. Imagine that you're sitting there doing breath awareness. In other words, you're focusing on the sensations of breath right around your nostrils. You know, you're staying Mm -hmm. in that area. You're feeling sensations the whole time. Then... Somewhere in your body, you get another sensation. Let's just say you're a smoker. Or, yeah, that, let's stick with that, even though children don't. Okay. Well, young children. And you get this sensation in your body of frustration, uh, maybe low self-esteem, depression. And normally, if you weren't doing breath awareness, you would go reach for a cigarette because cigarettes, raise your dopamine, they calm you down, and it's like a drug to get rid of that terrible sensation you're having. Mm-hmm. Now, if, you're, if you've trained yourself every day to stay calm with your sensations, no matter what they are, whether they're pleasant or unpleasant, you're developing self-control and awareness. So you can then turn your attention to those miserable sensations you're having that's you know the gut-wrenching frustration in your stomach you can stay with it feel it feel where it's you know bubbling or where it's heating up and you stay with the sensations and you do not react then what happens is your very deep rooted habit pattern that you've developed over the years which is I feel pain, I reach for relief. You know, I reach for a cigarette, I reach for a chocolate bar, I reach for some chips, I reach for a, a phone call to my friend, whatever the habit is. You, 
you're changing it because you're not reacting to that sensation. And how huh. the brain works is if you repeat that over and over again every day, you develop new neural networks, you lose those old patterns in your brain. It's basically, they die, which was your habit before. So you're changing the patterns in your brain by repeating the good behavior. It's, it's just behavioral mm-hmm. science, brain science. So you're actually, after a while, you realize you don't even have that great urge anymore because you've kind of gotten over it. And this starts, as soon as you start doing breath awareness every day, you will notice that your habits start changing. So you don't even have to go on a diet, and you'll realize you're not even reaching for those foods that you reach for when you're, you know, you want a serotonin rush or you want, you know, you Mm -hmm. have emotional upset, so you want to have carbohydrates. You don't even do that anymore because you're focused on your sensations and you're not reacting. And this is the deep, deep level of this technique. That's where you go really into your subconscious mind and change your addictive patterns. I know the timing probably varies from person to person, but can you give us an an average idea of how long it would take? Like how well, everybody how long is every different. And, and once you grasp the technique, mm-hmm. if you're really mm-hmm. wanting to get a jump start, you might want to attend one of those 10-day courses where I learned the technique. They're all over the world and they're free, so anyone can go and spend 10 days in silence learning this technique and make a huge step in the direction of getting uh, rid of addictions. If you want to just, you know, through your own determination, say, okay, I'm going to follow this book (laughs) Every mm-hmm. single day I'm going to work up until I'm sitting there for an hour going through whatever sensations without reacting. You're pretty well on the road to recovery, right? As soon as you make that decision and you start practicing every day, you've already made huge leaps in the right direction. So it could hmm. even a week. <laughs> Once you get on the right track, you're on your way. And you'll start feeling better. The addictions will fade away. And this is serious addictions, even, you know, really serious drugs. I've gone to these courses and people were coming off heroin and really terrible things, alcohol addiction. Like, you can't just stop some of these drugs, but, you know, with the help of a doctor and this technique, you can you can change your life. You can come out of those addictions. Hmm. You talk about um, training the attention so we can focus better. What do you mean by that? Well, every person has been, they're born with an attention, right? Even little babies. If you put a little colorful toy in front of them, they immediately look at it for a little while. So we have an attention. Let's call it a muscle. And we can go through our whole life having kind of a baby attention. Right up until we're 100 years old, if you put a toy in front of us, we might look at it for a few seconds and then move on to the next thing. That's normal. That's our natural attention span. If we want to achieve anything, a skill, or we want to get a degree in the university, or if we want to uh, control our diet, or we want to do anything, we have to develop a stronger attention. 
And how do you develop a stronger attention? You do an exercise, and the exercise is, just like you mentioned it before, paying attention to one thing for a period of time. And the one thing has to take effort. If you're not putting out effort, you're not developing the muscle. So you can watch TV for eight hours straight without even looking to the side, but you won't be developing your attention. You'll just be jump. It'll be just using this baby attention for the whole time. Any time you focus on one thing and exert effort, your attention gets stronger. That's all mm-hmm. it is, and that's the beauty of work. You know, we all are shy of work, but if you have work that demands attention and you you use the work to develop your attention, you benefit greatly. You know, you you achieve goals, you, you have long-term relationships, you have a great uh, control over your diet, and mm-hmm. you basically benefit all around. Why are the workshops 10 hours? What, what What's going on that that requires that amount of training? Well, in in my book, are you referring to my 10-step program? Or yes. the 10-day course that yes. you can learn this technique? Well, the, the book was designed so that anyone can start and work on it however fast or slow they want to. They could do one exercise every week and do the same exercise every day for a week. They can work mm-hmm. in 10 days and get up to one hour sitting. We're talking about adults. I've just used the number 10. There's no reason. It could have been 20. It could be 100. And it's just learning the technique and then every day practicing it. Okay, so it's kind of a benchmark. Yeah, my book talks about going deeper levels, like more focus, more concentration, so that you can reach those deeper levels. But it's really everyone is going at their own pace. Do you credit this to your own creativity in your painting? Oh, <laughs> that's great. We had a lovely conversation about painting. Mm-hmm. Uh, ever since I, I discovered that when you sit still and focus and you're quiet and get in touch with yourself and stop your busy mind, every single time after a sitting, I'm more creative. I get these uh, inspirations. You know, inspiring thoughts. I see things differently, and yes, it has a direct impact on my creativity, my painting, my writing. Everything I do in life is greatly affected by my meditation practice. If I don't practice yeah. and I paint a picture, often it never works. If I practice, and then I go to my studio and I'm painting it usually turns out better. And don't ask me why, but it does. It's. Uh, <laughs> I think it's because your mind gets focused and calm, and then mm-hmm. whatever paint you put down, whatever colors you pick are more harmonious, they make more sense, and you can sort of tap into something higher in yourself. And so, you know, if you've got that real peaceful sort of feeling of unity inside yourself, your paintings mm-hmm. will reflect that. If you're full of stress and anger, your paintings reflect that. So it's directly mm-hmm. connected. So then you, you're producing very calm paintings? <laughs> uh, I think so. 
uh, I I do lots of almost one color paintings, but just with mm-hmm. enough buzz in them, which mm-hmm. comes from being in touch with my sensations. Because if you mm-hmm. just paint blue and look at it, you get kind of bored. But if you paint blue with lots of little flecks in it, your eyes keep staring at them and you start feeling a buzz. And when you do breath mm-hmm. awareness, it's all about that buzz because your whole body starts buzzing. <laughs> it's just we're mm-hmm. never focused on our body, so we don't know it. But it's buzzing all the time. You know, it's just lie in bed tonight and just start feeling your body and suddenly you realize, oh my goodness, I'm buzzing everywhere. Molecules are <laughs> racing around and dying and being reborn and this is, you know, amazing experience. <laughs> <laughs> well, I not sleep. <laughs> when I, yeah. What I hear you saying is our subconscious mind basically controls us 95% of the time. Absolutely. And our conscious mind is only 5%. So in the breath awareness techniques, you're getting in touch with your subconscious mind that you typically are never aware that you're trying to access. Exactly. So then when you go do something creative, I maybe your subconscious mind, your, your conscious mind has tapped into the subconscious mind Exactly. To put it down on paper or to create yeah. whatever it is that you're creating. Yeah. And it's, it's not an intellectual game. It just happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like, mm-hmm. oh, I'm imagining my subconscious. It's not like that. It's it's far more sort of, I don't know, it's hard to explain. But But when you feel a sensation, just think, when you're lying in bed tonight and you start feeling that your whole body is buzzing, your subconscious is always reacting to those sensations whether you know it or not. Mm-hmm. Some, something's going on in your body and you've got your subconscious mind in touch with those sensations 24-7. As soon as you feel are conscious of a sensation, you're starting to be conscious of what your subconscious mind is always aware of. Instead of that 5%, yep. you start becoming conscious of that 95%. And it's an amazing experience. And it's out of that experience you develop an incredible wisdom. Because as soon as you realize that you're just a ball of moving particles, and one minute it's all painful and the next minute feels good, and you're just noticing these changes, you don't get attached to it anymore. You just sort of realize your body's just doing its thing, and your job is just to stay calm and make good choices. And then you start developing a very wise approach to understanding yourself and other people. You know, um, in your book you talk about the impertinence of reality and how breath awareness can cause the mind to become exceptionally sensitive, really. Very. It becomes extremely sensitive, And it can start feeling subtle sensations throughout the body that are so delicate and so fine. And then the finer the sensation you feel, you're starting to get into pleasurable sensations. You know, you get the very subtle buzzing. That's very important because it means your mind is really calmed down and you're tapping into the deepest part of your body it's not just great big painful sensations everywhere it's that real subtle 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 vibration and you just keep going and 
if you were on the path of Buddha or path of enlightenment, they always talk about this. This enlightenment is something beyond the feeling of sensations. So this is sort of the path that you, you take when you start observing sensations. Eventually, mm-hmm. you come to something that's beyond sensations, but I can't speak of that because I'm still <laughs> I'm just totally into my sensations. I haven't gone beyond, so I'm not enlightened. <laughs> but that's sort of what they talk about when they say beyond mind and matter, there's mm-hmm. something else. <laughs> And that's nirvana or whatever, but I, I I just don't go there yet. But who knows? I'm not really questing after well, that. Um, I I I'm just asking a question. I don't have any clue. Um, do the monks go beyond that? Uh, according to the teachers that have taught me this technique, they say that many many people, whether they're monks or not, have experienced this thing beyond the experience of mind and matter. And it's a Mm. common thing uh, over the generations. There's been a lot of, they say, a lot of Buddhas. And Buddhas means an enlightened person. So Mm -hmm. they have experienced that, whatever's beyond. But uh, I think that there are people, even now, that have experienced this. Um, If you've ever meet someone who seems to be very spiritual or very powerful in their making you feel better, they probably experienced it. But I don't think it's something you can communicate very well if you've experienced it. Even if you experienced it for a few seconds, it's what they say it's very hard to explain in words because you just can't mm-hmm. explain something that, that is beyond experience, which is beyond the experience of sensation. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's lovely. You know, you know I, I think um, there are people out there that definitely have had that experience. Monks or whoever is working on their path mm-hmm. have had things happen. So with breath awareness, um, we can also break some unha- unhealthy habits, you know, or, or unwanted um, behaviors that we seem to accumulate over the years. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> well, here, here's something that's very fun to do. Once you've caught on to the breath awareness technique, which is focusing on the sensations of your breathing, mm-hmm. next time somebody's reaming you out or criticizing you, try to focus on the sensations of breath while they're doing that and see what happens. It's a very interesting experiment. What normally happens is the person is expecting you to react to all their negativity. Mm-hmm. And they're expecting you to come back with negativity. And then you get the old escalating argument up until the point where you're almost hitting each other. <laughs> Instead of letting it go that far, one person takes control, and that is staying with the sensations in the body and calmly listening to the other person. And it's just an amazing thing that happens. And the more you do that, the more you change your normal behavior, where you normally would react and get angry and spew things out or or get defensive or depressed. Instead of all that happening, you're in control, you're focused on your sensations, 
And actually, your calm mind helps you through the, the storm and you come out and you haven't hurt anybody with your words or you haven't hurt yourself with your, you know, sometimes we get mad at ourselves and we want to hurt ourselves with something. We don't do all that. We come out and we're calm, we're more mature, <laughs> and we're happier. And that's the whole mm-hmm. way of changing these old habits. You would have to be basically doing two things at, at the same time, though. You're listening to what they're saying, and then you're concentrating on your breath. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, you're not giving them any feedback? Uh, what The feedback you will get, because you're really listening without reacting, you, the first thing you'll do is feel their pain. You're gonna, you'll think, oh my goodness, if they turned their attention inside their body, they're burning up. The poor soul, you know, you, you get pity for them. Then they're spewing out their negativity, and you, you're coming back with, you know, it sounds a little bit sappy, you're coming back with a feeling of love. And that love, that peace, that joy is going to heal that pain that they're reacting to. So you're listening, you're being sincere with your comments, you're asking them questions, you're not, you're not pour, putting gas on the fire. You're actually healing them by being loving and peaceful and you're listening really well because you're not reacting. Have you ever been in an argument where everybody's spewing out their own ideas but nobody's listening? Sure, of course. And so suddenly there's a person in the, the situation that's truly listening with their heart and their feelings and their empathy and their sympathy. And it's amazing how that will make the other person break down and and feel, oh, you're actually my friend. You know, thanks. And there will be hugs. <laughs> you know, it will be a much nicer <laughs> solution to the problem. Wow. It doesn't always happen, though. <laughs> I don't I know, know how long it will take me to get to that level, but I try it now and again. Well, Heidi, you've been a great guest today. I think you've enlightened all of us and given us some really good uh, tools for uh, handling our stress and addictions and everything else that goes along with it. Um, how... Um, uh, what is your website and your email address so that our listeners can reach you? Website is the same name as the book, which is calmfocusjoy.com. And my email's there, so calmfocusjoy.com. And if you want okay, for those any questions. For those of you, yeah, for those of you who may not have, you know, direct access to the Internet at this particular moment, um, her email address is um, H, T as in Tom, C as in Cat, Thompson at hotmail.com. Is that correct? Yes. And if they want okay, to write great. down the name of the 10-day courses that they can attend, if they're really interested, they can look up this technique, and it's called Vipassana. That's the Pali can you spell name. That? V-I-P. A-S-S-A-N-A. It's Vipassana Meditation. And they have centers all over the place. And they have courses for children. And it is the best thing in the world, I must say. It's the best thing that ever happened to me 
one of these 10-day calls. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being with us today. We've run out of time. I want to thank our listeners for your uh, support, and I look forward to you listening to us again next Wednesday. And with that, we shall sign off until next week. Take care, everybody. We celebrate our listeners worldwide and invite you to contact Denise at www.healthmedianow.com with any questions you may have and follow her on Twitter at Health Media Now and Facebook at Health Media Now. For those interested in an advertising campaign on her show, contact Lisa at knowledgeworkspub.com. Be sure to visit gotcancernowwhat.com for information on Denise Messenger's award-winning book, Got Cancer? Now What? Listeners, please be advised that the entire contents of this radio show is based upon the opinions of Denise Messenger and her guest. The information on the show is not intended to replace a one-on-one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional, and it's not intended as medical advice. It's intended as sharing the knowledge and information of our guests and the experience of Denise and her community. We encourage you to take caution and make your own health care decisions based upon your research and in partnership with a qualified health care professional of your choice. The statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. And with that, we say goodbye. <laughs>